This is HPR episode 2224 entitled Fostum 2017K Level 2 Stands 1 to 9 and is part of the series Interviews. It is posted by Ken Fallen and is about 77 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is Ken interviews the projects in the K building level 2 at Stands 1 to 9. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hi everybody, I'm at the Mozilla stand and I'm talking to Ludo. Hi, how are you doing? I'm very fine, thank you. So can you tell us what Mozilla is and how we might know it? Yes, Mozilla is the maker of Firefox, the web browser that's open and that is defending the web and it's not tied to any commercial background. We have partnerships to make money, but our goal is to keep the web open and make the web accessible on whatever OS you want to use, whatever website you want to go and it needs to work with it. So. We're the independent web maker, uh, uh, web browser maker. Excellent. And now, uh, Lord of Schwag has just arrived, which yes. is well, good news. No, that's a computer, and that's like uh, some other stuff. I don't think we have so much swag. We something that's something that we lack at our events is having swag to give away. And uh, so, what's been happening in the last year, and what's coming up next year? So, what's happening last year is we've uh, refocused our. Um, um, development efforts on our browser yeah. on the desktop and a bit on mobile so we've released um, um, a browser on iOS and next year we're going to focus even more on bringing new technologies into the browser so for the last five years a group of people have been working on new programming language that's supposed to be safer than C++ and JS uh, which is called Rust uh, Rust is mature enough and uh, as a side project to Rust we we had um, another um, bootcamp um, browser called Servo that's written in Rust. Um, and so we're going to incorporate features from Rust that are faster, that, are, that have been written in the last three years or, or so, into Mozilla and replace some old crappy stuff that has been lying in the Mozilla code base for up to 20 years. So the idea is um, we're going to get faster, safer, and uh, having a browser that beats the competition um, because if we want to stay relevant in the world that we live in, Mozilla needs to have um, a market share between 15 and 20%. So when we go to um, W3C stuff and we say, this is the way to do it, then people can just say, well, you're only 5% of the web. We're not going to care about that. Or web devs are going to be like, ah, shit, 20%. Um, I need to do something about that browser and I need to support it. So if they support us, then they support more diversity than just... Um, uh, Chrome and WebKit. And is there not like a risk in going for a new language that maybe mightn't have as many developers as before? So um, FOSDEM is a good way for us to present Rust and there's a 
bunch of talks in. We have we have a room with uh, full full of talks today. Yeah. Uh, some of them are focused on Rust. Uh, Rust is a vibrant community and it's attracting a lot of people because it's a nice new language with a bunch of new features and the way it's developed is very open. If you want a new feature in the language, you can have it. Well, you have a process to follow, but you can have it if you implement it. And so it's very vibrant. It's full of libraries being created because it gets rid of... You don't need to, to care too much about how you manage memory. Not the Java way, though. Um, it's different than the way Java deals with memory, but it's safer. So you won't, hang, you won't write your code and 10 years later, like, oh, fuck, there's a security issue because we have a buffer overflow and we need to fix it and it's been in the code for 10 years. So that's, that's the principle. In the, so we have a lot of people there and it's vibrant. And so the servo parts that we're going to incorporate, we're not going to incorporate everything. We're going to incorporate the things that are ready. Uh, and... That project started like four years ago, so some of the stuff already... We already have stuff in, in Firefox that comes from from Servo. Um, the Awesome Bar, some of some of the feature in the Awesome Bar, when you, when you type, instead of typing URL and finding what you already saw, some of it is Rust-based code already. Oh, very good. Is there a preview of this where I can download it? Yes, uh, nightly.mozilla.org. That's the place where you can find our daily releases. Um, they are six weeks ahead of, no, 18 weeks, sorry, 18 weeks ahead of um, the, re- the normal releases that you have. So um, you get all the features now. You get a few more bugs. So if you're not a tech-savvy person, don't use it. But if you're a tech-savvy person, it's very stable. It's the thing I use daily. I never need to switch to anything else. Uh, it really stable. Once in a while, yes, I'll get a crash. But I don't mind. I just send the crash. And I know it's going to be looked at by the devs and fixed in the next few days because that's our focus right now. It wasn't the case two years ago, but now that's our focus. So um, we don't have enough nightly users these days. We, we lost a lot, and we want to regain these. So at FOSDEM, we're going to try to, to get peop- more people. It's a tech-savvy conference, so we want more people that are tech-savvy to say, hey, I want to I help Mozilla a bit. And a very easy way to do that is just using Nightly instead of Firefox. It's available on all platforms that we uh, normally support. So it's it's called just Firefox Nightly. Uh, it's not yeah. uh, the icon is different. It's blue. It's blue instead of being the nice fox. But it's the same feature set. It's the same extensions that you can use. It's exactly the same, except there might be a few more bugs. And um, you are helping, um, you are helping um, Mozilla and the project by just running an IT and saying, hey, is this a bug? Is this a new feature? And just reporting them. Or if you have a crash, just making sure that you send the crash. Well, I can guarantee you 100% that every single one of our listeners will rush out and download that. And so the, the URL to get it is nightly.mozilla.org. And it's available in more, than, in more languages than just English. So if you want, use it in your language. You can too. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the show. I'm here at the Diaspora booth and I'm talking to... Lucas Mutt. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Project name. Uh, Diaspora, D-I-A-S-P-O-R-R-A. Okay, so what is it? Uh, it's... Uh, 
an alternative uh, for, for example, Facebook, a uh, decentralized um, alternative, which uh, we compare normally against uh, a mail servers. It's kind of a, like a mail server. Um, you can set up your own server and uh, start posting, writing comments, uh, liking stuff like in a normal social uh, network. Yes. So I can run my own instance and you can run your own instance and then they can, those two instances can talk. They can talk, yeah, they can share. Um, uh, it's called, we call it the federation, uh, the protocol, which, um, yeah, uh, synchronize all the public da data. I say public data because, um, of course, you can create, we call it aspects, which is just groups uh, where you can put into uh, your, your users. Um, and if you send to those aspects messages, um, it will be not synchronized through the whole network, only to the server, which is... Uh, well, which is required for the synchronization. If you, if you, for example, have uh, users only on one server and you're talking only to the users on your server, the message will never leave the server. Um, yeah. For, for, uh, so clear demarcation of uh, yeah. where your messages are going to. And uh, is it difficult to set up? Um, you, you have to require some basic knowledge uh, about Linux. Um, well, that's not entirely true because we already uh, have some some uh, images, uh, so some one-click solutions. I cannot remember all the, the, the names of uh, the uh, hosters, but uh, if you check out uh, wiki.diasporafoundation.org, um, you'll find a lot, a ton of uh, installation uh, uh, tutorials um, where yeah, you will find for Debian, Ubuntu, uh, and whatnot. Um, step-by-step -step, uh, tutorial installation guides. So. And is Federation uh, difficult to set up or does that happen automatically? That happens automatically. You're basically, the, the difficulty is to install all dependencies and, well, start the server. <laughs> okay. So once that's done, and then how do I know, how does my instance know about your instance? Um, it's uh, called PubHub. Uh, service which is uh, currently run by I think uh, we use one from uh, Google which is basically a feed where the, the, the server registers and says hey everyone I'm here uh, I'm ready to receive and uh, th yeah that's how, how we discover server. And do you have any integration with other services like New Social or Pump.io? Um, for example, um, Friendica and uh, Hubzilla, because uh, we just extracted the uh, Diaspora Federation protocol from Diaspora itself for exactly uh, that kind of goal that other services can integrate the protocol as well and talk uh, with us. Okay, yeah. excellent. So, what has been happening in the last year with the project? Um, uh, Any milestones in the last year? Um, for example, uh, myself, I integrated the uh, uh, integrated XMPP yeah. uh, so that you can chat with uh, all your friends. Um, that happened and uh, a lot of background work. And uh, we uh, managed also to switch to Bootstrap um, completely because that was uh, some, some custom thing. Uh, I'm not the front-end guy, I have to say that honestly. Um, but um, yeah. Well, some, we some big points. We have an interview about that explaining. Uh, all, all maybe people won't hear it at the point at this point, but uh, due to the magic of time traveling podcasts, they will hear it soon. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah, uh, and another uh, big uh, milestone would be the API. Uh, I completely forget, forgot about that. Um, the thing is, it's not uh, completely finished yet. 
but uh, if it will be finished, uh, then uh, I hopefully see new apps uh, spreading around uh, Android and uh, whatever other platform uh, there is. Um, cool. Yeah. If there's uh, one th one theme that I have to take away from Fostin this year and every year is it's not finished yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Every project seems to say that. So what's the plans for next year? What cool uh, coolness can I expect? Uh, to finish the API. Yes. <laughs> Good. Anything else that you need me to know about? Um, uh, right now, uh, there comes nothing to mind, I think. Um, okay. Yeah. With that, enjoy the rest of the show and thanks for taking the time. I'm up here at the K23 table, and you are? I'm Michael. And what project are you representing today at Foster? Uh, we are representing Apache, and uh, especially Apache Open Office. So, can you tell people first what uh, Apache is, and then what OpenOffice.org is? Um, OpenOffice is a free uh, an project with, uh, which uh, develops a free office suite. Uh, former known as uh, OpenOffice.org. Yes. And um, uh, last year we have our 15th anniversary. Okay. And um, now we are here together with the whole Apache Foundation. And um, we... I'm very proud uh, to took Apache to Foster. Very good. And what is the... Um, uh, there has been a fork to the LibreOffice. How uh, no, 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 no. LibreOffice is the fork of you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, LibreOffice, um, our friends who developed LibreOffice um, are mostly before in, at the, in the OpenOffice.org community. Uh, but they want to do their own thing. Okay. And how is development of OpenOffice going now that you become a member of the Apache Foundation? Uh, we were, were first uh, an incubator project, yeah. and then we uh, are promoted to a uh, uh, top-level project some years ago. And what, do you have any talks going on this year? Uh, yes, uh, a lot of, but I, 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 I haven't the overview yeah, yet. We can get them up on the website. <laughs> okay, yeah. You see? And uh, what will well, you be... Uh, at, at, uh, in the afternoon at... Um, 2 p.m. Uh, there is a talk about our um, a API and uh, about our Star Basic. Very good. And are you um, also involved with the uh, the Open Document Foundation? Uh, no. For ODS. No. Uh, we are um, uh, we are members of Oasis. Okay. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes, that's the um, uh, standardization organization. And how do you find uh, Keekman? Uh, but a lot of my friends are members of the ODF. <laughs> Very good. How do you find uh, keeping up with the ever-changing document formats? Has it gotten easier over time? Uh, I, I think uh, it's uh, good that we have an international standard. Yeah. An international open standard. Yeah. That's uh, very useful. And it's, I think the standard is uh, very easier to handle than other document standards. Okay. Are you uh, intending in putting in the Microsoft ribbon up at the top of the um, 
of the bar are you I, going I, to I don't think so okay and um, what will you be just showing off here on the booth today uh, we are showing uh, open office uh, newest version yeah and we are showing some um, uh, prog uh, one program of the I would say um, environment of open office okay uh, but that's an independent project Okay, and um, uh, I think uh, the other Apaches uh, we will see who who's coming because uh, Apache are more than uh, one hundred seventy um, top level projects. Wow. So that I think that uh, some over uh, two hundred projects, including the incubator project. So. Whoever turns up, turns <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is. I don't uh, think we are uh, with um, uh, 200 or 300 or 400 persons at that booth here. <laughs> <laughs> might get a bit crowded. Well, thank you very much for uh, taking the time for to do the interview, and uh, ho have a good uh, remainder uh, of the show. Uh, the um, our uh, celebrities will come uh, later. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everybody, I'm with the CW2 booth and I'm talking to... Cedric Thomas. Hi Cedric, can you tell me what uh, OW2 is? Um, OW2 is an open source community. We concentrate on, on infrastructure software. So we host about between 50 and 60 projects. Um, it's a community of different projects, different people, companies, uh, community projects and it's all open source. Okay, do I know any of these projects? Uh, we've had Jonas, we have uh, Bonita Soft, uh, we have Talent. Some of these are really back-end oriented. This is enterprise software, cloud computing. That's what we look after. Okay, and um, uh, do, how does somebody become a project uh, under your umbrella? Well, think of us as a um, kind of a European Eclipse Foundation, Apache Foundation, OpenStack Foundation, or Linux Foundation. With a mix of that, but uh, we were created 10 years ago in Europe. So we're totally independent. We were created by companies and universities. And we have gathered dozens of projects. This project concentrates on infrastructure software, as I said. And if you want to become a project part of the OW2 community, you go online to www.ow2.org. Everything is on the website, and you can submit your project. And then there is, um, uh, um, we have a, an open source governance, well, standard uh, transparent open source governance. And there is something called the Technology Council, which is the, uh, the, the group of all the project leaders. So they will look at your project, evaluate it, and co-opt you and accept you or not in the OW2 code base. And is there a requirement on a particular type of license or anything like that? No, we're very li liberal as far as licenses are concerned. All we, we want is that these licenses have to be recognized by the Open Source Software Initiative or, uh, or the, F the FSF. I mean, they, these are, are the software. We are really uh, careful not to accept any vanity license, any kind of, uh, uh, or any business model. The business model has to be very clear. We're very careful not to have uh, uh, so-called open core uh, business models etc this is very very we're very careful with that okay very good and uh, are you a non-profit organization or for profit uh, yes OW2 is a non-profit organization we were founded 10 years ago out of Europe um, and um, one thing we have to say is for us open source is a way to develop software very efficiently uh, 
with uh, all sorts of ethical values in sharing and, and openness and transparency. But we also realized that open source is a way to develop a, a business. It has made its dent in the business, in the software industry. So this is what we're trying to do. We're trying also to support open source software, not so much as a way to sh develop software collaboratively, but also to develop software that can change the software industry. So for us, we are trying to support the open source ecosystem. So from a European point of view, so if, uh, if you had a European company who was thinking about doing open source, but maybe would like somebody closer to home than Apache or the Free Software Foundation, they would come to you. Yes, we have um, all sorts of companies. Some of them are very small companies, like six, ten, ten people, like uh, Fusion Directory that we have here. Some of them come from large organizations, like uh, the project, the Spoon Project we have here, which is from uh, Inria, uh, which is a huge uh, research uh, organization. Uh, we have uh, projects from Thales. We have projects from uh, the big. Uh, um, uh, Italian um, systems integrators engineering. We have projects from Fraunhofer Focus. So they can be large organizations having open source software that they want to, to put out there in the community. And we provide them uh, a neutral ground, a home for, uh, for these open source projects. Fantastic. And if they, uh, you, I see you have a job offer up here. Uh, yes, we're growing because we are very busy. So we are today, we're looking for a software engineer because there is a lot of work in. Uh, uh, integrating our own technical infrastructure. We provide all, all the services that uh, a developer, developer's team want. So they have everything they, they want at OW2. But there's also another thing that is very important that we're doing. Uh, over the last few years, we've been working on quality. As I said, we're trying to uh, support the business ecosystem. But we want projects to be of good quality, but we also want them to be market ready. So this year, what we're paying attention to is project market readiness. So we are developing a whole methodology to evaluate uh, project market readiness and to help project leaders um, become more, um, uh, more uh, in tune, more aligned with what the, the market expects. Fantastic stuff. Thank you very much for taking the time and enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you, Ken. Hi, I'm at the Jenkins booth and I'm talking to Robert Sandell. And what's your, first of all, can you tell me what Jenkins is? Jenkins is an uh, automation server uh, that lets you automate the entire software delivery pipeline. Anything from building, testing, packaging it up, delivering it, pushing it out to customers. And what's your role within the Jenkins community? I am a plugin maintainer and a core developer. Okay, and what plugins do you maintain? Oh, I can't remember them all. Uh, my first one was the Garrett Trigger plugin okay. uh, that lets you integrate Jenkins with Garrett and Trigger whenever a change request comes up. I have Build Failure Analyzer. I had a hand in the Rebuild plugin. Uh, there are over 1,200 plugins for Jenkins, and I'm maybe maintaining five or six of them. So, <laughs> so you're not the first person I point my finger to. No, uh, the recent one is the Pipeline Utility Steps plugin for the, our new pipeline feature in Jenkins. Uh, okay. So I wrote a plugin that that sort of adds a bit of flair to the, the the guys that wants to do advanced pipelines. So what's the pipelines plugin? It's a suite of plugins that allows you to do configuration as code. Uh, so instead of the old traditional point-and-click 
web UI type of configuring your your jobs. This is now a file that can live in your source code control management system and that sort of has the recipe for how to build your project. Very good. Were you aware uh, when you started this how key Jenkins would be to like the whole continuous integration, agile way of working? It's an immensely popular project and has that helped or hindered you in any way? Well, it's the reason why I'm still in the project. I mean, I started in 2010, I think was my first uh, contribution to the project for work. Uh, and I've been working with Jenkins and on Jenkins since then. Uh, so, yeah, and it's only been growing ever since. So that allowed me to keep my job and actually work get paid to work for, to work on an open source project and that's awesome yeah that is <laughs> awesome um, what's Jenkins written in and uh, what sort of help how can somebody get involved in the project if you know these bigger projects how, how do you get involved in them so if you want to contribute uh, most of uh, like 99% of Jenkins is written in Java uh, it's it's a Java web application um, but the biggest the big community is mostly in the plugins it's hugely extensible, so uh, and and those are easiest to do in Java, but you can write them in Groovy or Ruby as well if you want to. But you still need some foundation in in Java and know how how Maven works and yeah. and stuff like that in order to to. Well, start. It's it's actually relatively point and click. Uh, you you do an app get install and then it's running. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you want to use Jenkins, then it's just an app get install. Yeah. Uh, how come your Jenkins looks a lot cooler than my Jenkins? Uh, this is the Blue Ocean UI, yeah. uh, which is currently in beta. Uh, it's heavily focused on the pipeline feature. Uh, so this is a project that has been going on for the last year. Yeah. Uh, so it's basically a plugin that you can download and try out. I think it's only in the experimental update center. No, it's on the public update update center. Yeah. 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 And the end of March, it will not be a beta anymore. So, yeah. okay. So, any other cool things coming up? Any anything that we should know about? Yeah, what we are sort of what we have release of this weekend is the declarative pipeline. Yeah. Okay. So last year we were here and we have been talking all year about the new pipeline that is a scripted pipeline that basically a groovy script. That, that I was talking about before yeah. the the, uh, the Jenkins file. Uh, now we have a layer on top of that that are, that is more declarative in style. So it's more of a looks like a JSON file, really. Yeah, uh, and it, it's a lot more restrictive. It's not as free uh, to to do whatever you want with for loops and stuff like that in regular pipeline. But here it's. We got a lot of feedback about people having a hard... It was a huge threshold to, to get to learn pipelines. So now we have the scripted pipeline that is a lot simpler. It's a lot more rigid in the way you, you do it. You more declare what you wanted to do instead of scripting it. Yeah. And what being this a, a bit more simple, a bit more rigid, the Blue Ocean UI will have... Uh, that's currently in a release... What did they call it? Uh, release. Yeah, the, the visual pipeline editor is now available as well. That allows you to to edit and, and sort of point and click your way to 
a declarative pipeline script. Uh, so and that is in, in a release candidate at the moment or pre-release that you can play around with. So it's so if you go to jenkins.io forward slash blog and there's a link in there to Blue Ocean. Yeah. Cool. Okay, guys, thank you very much uh, for taking the time and have a good rest of the show. Thank you. Hi, everybody. I'm at the Wiki booth and I'm talking to Tiki, which is no longer Tiki Wiki. Exactly. And what's your name? Uh, my name is Alexander Meta. I'm at on the internet. Why did you lose the wiki? Because Tiki Wiki had grown quite a lot and had added a lot of other features, file galleries, bug trackers, forums. So Tiki Wiki was uh, just too narrow and we figured like we lose the wiki part or we actually we are, were named Tiki Wiki CMS Groupware. Exactly. So now it's just Tiki and we're happy with that one. So what is Yeah, you basically explained it, but give us a brief rundown of what Tiki is and what it's you know what it's trying to do. It is uh, I like to say it is a wiki uh, based content management system. Because it started out as a wiki and it has a very strong wiki with a strong plugin architecture, lots of additional features you can put into the wiki. And then it has all the other things that you can use for web content management around it. And it has more or less become kind of a framework. Like when you, we have some social, uh, social media sites uh, that like, uh, how do you call it, like Facebook or stuff. And, but just for smaller communities, they are built with Tiki and you can use the features in there to create such sites too. So it's very multifunctional in that regard. So what have you been, uh, What any major news in the last year that has occurred? Major milestones. Well, we have a, um, an LTS model of releases. We release every half year and every three years uh, we release a long-term support version that is supported for five years as far as I remember now. And the last of that one was uh, Tiki 15 and that was uh, with integrating Bootstrap as the CSS framework so that we now have uh, responsive design also for mobile devices, etc. Very nice, very nice. Coming forward this year, what are the plans? Uh, well, we do not really have plans in that uh, ah, Planning's for whims. Exactly. Like we, <laughs> we develop organically, so to say. So organic development. As long as we have just three rules in our development process, and uh, the first one is uh, respect the environment, then make it optional. It's actually the third one. Commit early and commit often, and the third one, make it optional. So as long as you adhere to these rules, you can come with your ideas, you can implement them, and you can get them into the main core distribution. And uh, so we seriously develop according to the needs of our users. Excellent. Anything else that you want to mention before I move on? No, just uh, peace, love, and tiki, and thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm at the XWiki booth and I'm talking to... Ludovic. Hi, can you tell me what XWiki is? Yes, so XWiki is an open source software uh, for collaboration. So we, we are based on the wiki principle and we help uh, companies organize their information. 
So it, it, it competes with uh, other wiki softwares like MediaWiki or, or Confluence, but it also competes with more like general collaboration software like SharePoint or even with file management. Like most companies are actually still uh, um, sharing information by email and with files, when in reality they should use modern tools uh, like, uh, like wikis and like XWiki. Can, you, can two people collaborate at the same time on the same document? So we, uh, we do have these features as an extension, so you can do real-time editing. But actually, talking about real-time editing, we, we could talk about another project that we have at XWiki in our company. We launched a project called CryptPad and CryptPad.fr. You can go online and, uh, and visit it right now. And there you can actually create, uh, it's a bit like Etherpad, where you, uh, where you can create a document and collaborate in real-time on it. But the, actually, there is a big innovation in it, in, in the fact that it's encrypted. So it's actually a zero-knowledge, real-time WYSIWYG editor. And so that's actually quite unique. Um, we haven't found anything like that on the Internet. Uh, and uh, so it, it has, compared to Etherpad, it's encrypted well the, when the technology in, inside Etherpad cannot do that. Uh, and uh, be, because there's lots of complexity to get this to happen. And uh, it's even a more powerful WYSIWYG editor. So the technology for real-time editing, we built it for XWiki. Uh, the encryption, we didn't build it for XWiki, but uh, it came with the technology. And so we launched CryptPad.fr, which is uh, its own service and own open source software. And that's all open source as well? It's all open source. What license do you pick? So XWiki is LGPL. And uh, CryptPad, we are AGPL. We're a bit, uh, we're a bit uh, tougher on it. And uh, the reason actually behind it is not that we don't want to share it. The reason is that we, we start to believing that uh, if we want open source to actually succeed in itself, we also need uh, uh, people to collaborate more in open source. So we're very open to share everything we do with everybody, but we'd like everybody to do the same thing. And the thing is, we see more and more proprietary software that embed tons of open source software but they don't even sh they don't share that much what they do themselves so they reuse a lot of the open source software so on this project we decided to try something else and to be a bit tougher on the license well, still a free and open source license so yeah and uh, i mean in any if there's really companies that even would want to uh, use it we would even be ready to exceptions like if if if, if you're if it's a question of, of find, you need to integrate it with something else, well, anyway, it's a cloud software and you can actually integrate it other ways. So there, there's other ways to integrate if you really need to have a piece of proprietary software in what you do. Anyway, we're not here to talk about yeah. proprietary software. We're here to talk about XWiki. So what has happened in the last year? So in the last year, XWiki is continuing to grow. Actually, we had about 50% growth of, of, uh, uh, of installations in the year. So we're pretty happy about, uh, about that aspect. So we have more and more people coming to, uh, to XWiki to discover it. We worked a lot on the UI. Actually, we, adoption is a key aspect, and, uh, and simplicity and ease of use has been one of our, uh, of our key works in the year. And another aspect is that uh, we've been uh, able to uh, announce this year uh, that uh, Amazon has chosen to use XWiki and replace MediaWiki with XWiki. And Amazon is probably one of the biggest users of wikis in the world uh, at the size of the company. Uh, it, it's probably one of the companies that is, uh, uh, that is using wikis globally uh, in a, as a very serious usage. So it's like a key collaboration software inside their company. And, uh, and so uh, in, uh, in 2015, they chose XWiki 
uh, and uh, they even uh, they uh, sponsored features. So uh, they, uh, they they sponsored the roadmap of XWiki Seven, uh, and uh, and they have deployed it uh, in 2016, and we've been able to announce that. We just announced it actually last week uh, that uh, that Amazon was using XWiki. So that's also a, a good boost for us in terms of recognition of uh, of what XWiki does. Okay, excellent. Any plans for this year? Are you um, finished? It's done. No, no. I mean, our plan is to continue to work on ease of use. I think it's a never-ending uh, story to make uh, also people discover more what we do. Um, we also plan to uh, to, to launch some uh, extensions that, for specific needs. We call that flavors. Uh, wikis can be used for many different things. So uh, support knowledge bases or technical documentation, collaboration. So we, we plan also to have kind of a, not distribution, but we call that flavor, flavors that you can install for, for a wiki that is for a specific uh, use case. Is it hard to install on the self? No, so XWiki can be uh, installed with apt-get on, on any uh, Debian or Ubuntu, so we have a, a specific install. It's Java, so it, it requires a bit of, uh, of infrastructure, so you need to have Tomcat, a database, either MySQL or Postgres. But uh, actually, so we have apt-get installed that installs it in, uh, in, in one common. We also have a Docker package now uh, for, people, uh, for people to install and try XWiki in, uh, in, in, in a couple of minutes. And we also have a cloud service. So if you actually just want to try XWiki, well, you can open in XWiki in about five minutes on the cloud. So you go to xwiki.com and, uh, and you, can, you can get an XWiki instance in, uh, in, a, in a minute uh, on, uh, on our service. Cool, very nice. Anything else that uh, is coming up? Any events that you're going to? No, so we, 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 uh, we're not going too internationally at this point, uh, but uh, we'll see. Maybe in the future we'll, we'll try to participate to more events. So we come to FOSDEM every year. And we're very happy to, to be there because it's, it's probably a, it's a great event for, for developers. We have a, so we have a conference, a lightning talk this year. Uh, but so otherwise we participate to, uh, to conferences in France mostly. Uh, and we try to, to uh, communicate on the internet. Thank you very much for taking the time and enjoy the rest of the show. Uh, welcome and thank you very much for, uh, for having interviews of all the open source projects. No problem. Hi everybody, I'm at the Wikiboot and I'm talking to Mark Laporte. Hi Mark, which uh, projects are you here supporting? So I'm here uh, for Wikisuite. Uh, Wikisuite is an enterprise suite uh, which is a free label open source and basically it aggregates a bunch of open source projects in an integrated way. Okay, how does it do that? What sort of projects are there? So basically the idea is to do just about anything that a typical organization would need. So that could be like from email to wiki to... Um, to a blog, to uh, anything, uh, commerce. Yeah. We need to support this. Yeah, exactly. So basically, if a typical organization needs that, that functionality, it should be part of Wikisuite. Okay. So basically, it's a dozen open source projects which are put together in a, an easy-to-install way and which are well integrated so that it f the goal is that it feels as if it's one application. Okay. Huh. And what sort of projects are included in this? So uh, the big ones are ClearOS. ClearOS is the operating system, so it's a derivative from Red Hat. So basically, t think of uh, a typical uh, operating system out of the box, like it's, it doesn't do anything, right? So it's, this one is made for the small, medium enterprise, uh, distributed enterprise. 
Then um, there's TikiWiki CMS Groupware, which is basically just about anything for data management, which is you know, from blogs to wiki pages to commerce to. And then um, we have Roundcube for the webmail. Okay, so um, sync thing for s file syncing. Um, Elasticsearch and Kibana, Elasticsearch for the search, Kibana for the, the dashboards, um, Kimshi and KVM, so uh, KVM for virtualization, and Kimshi is a, a web interface for, um, for KVM, Kaltura for video management, Piwik for statistics, and OpenFire Meetings, which includes Jitsi Meet for all the real-time collaboration aspects. And for password management, it's KeePass. And for uh, uh, Fusion PBX and FreeSwitch, that's everything for the traditional phone system, SIP phone, yeah, PBX. And one last one is Xebo. So Xebo is a digital signage project. So basically, if you have a bunch of TVs somewhere and you want to control them from a, a central point. So this is basically everything a business could possibly want in a box. There you go. That's the goal. Oh, yeah. Ding. Okay, that's it. Interview over. Cool. Um, so, but these are diverse projects. How do you, how do you manage the, this a similar look and feel you mentioned? Even that must be a nightmare. So, basically, we've been working for several. I started this project in 2011, and it took a long time. It was a lot of work. And basically, the first thing is for a common look and feel is we're moving all the projects to use the same framework called Bootstrap. So, the boot, so Tiki moved to Bootstrap. ClearOS moved to Bootstrap. Fusion PBX moved to Bootstrap. So, the goal is to move all the projects projects to bootstrap, of course working with each of the projects, so then it makes it easier to have a common look and feel. So that's one thing. The other thing, and that's why it was very important to use ClearOS, so to pick the operating system, that was the most important thing to pick because that's the base, everything has to install on that, so it has to be easy to install. Um, and then once you have the control of the operating system, then things like installation, upgrades, and also single sign-on and things like that become uh, much easier. Yeah, but if you don't control your platform and you try to, you know, it has to work, anything would have to work with anything, then it gets very complex. So we just focus that our operating system is ClearOS, our data management is Tiki, and then, you know, we make those things work together. So we don't, we have limited the number of permutations. So yes, on one hand, it's huge, and it, you know, there's a lot of complexity, but on the other hand, it's a lot simpler than any other way of doing it. I, I, I actually completely get that. The integration must be a lot easier than if if you know where you're coming from and you know where it goes. Definitely. And if we take the big projects, for example, in it, like TikiWiki CMS Groupware, already that part is the uh, free, lib, open source web application with the most built-in features. So that actually doesn't have the problems that other CMSs have, like with plugins. So there's even a website that I made called pluginproblems.com. You may check it out. Um, so basically, it explains all the problems with plugins. And if you have like projects like WordPress that have 20,000 plugins, uh, or even other projects that only have like 5,000 plugins, there's no way everything's going to work with everything. But with a project like Tiki, you could say you could turn everything on, and your, your, your interface will be you know, huge because it'll have a lot of menus and stuff, but everything's going to work. So we're taking the same idea that we had that was been successful with Tiki. Now we're at, you know we're working in version 17. The current uh, you know release version is 16. So it's it's you know it's a project which has a lot of um, experience. We're just e expanding that same idea to avoid plugins, to avoid complexity, but to to do it for the whole stack of uh, of what a typical organization needs. So basically, right now we do just about everything except accounting. So the whole accounting, human resource management, that's something we're weak on. But the goal is to get to that uh, in the next few years. It's quite, and it's also quite a difficult one because each region and each jurisdiction, and even within a jurisdiction, each region has its own uh, set of rules. And that's why also I kept it for later. And also, most organizations, you know, everybody needs email, everybody needs like some things. But um, 
even if we do offer accounting, doesn't mean that people will switch to that right away. They'll typically keep it separate. Okay, that is a, is a fantastic initiative. And uh, one one question I have, um, giving you time to die, there, is uh, how do you uh, if if there's a security breach or in one of the applications, is it simply just a, a YUM update or a DNF update? Right, it's, so it's, it's with YUM, uh, but it basically ClearOS automatically updates. So it also updates all the uh, downstream projects? Well, not yet, but that's, that's, that's what we're working that's on. Like about half the projects, yes, but the other half we're still working on. And they're all working towards that goal at the end of the day. So for me, like, as being you know, a project leader of a major project for a long time, I, I understand how it's very important to work with upstream. So I'm working directly with upstream in all the projects and making sure. Uh, a question often comes, like, what code does Wikisuite have? My goal is at the end, Wikisuite has zero code. Everything is done upstream. And that's what I'm, um, I'm working on. And I actually have some meetings organized this, uh, this weekend with the project leaders of several of the projects. Delegation, delegation, delegation. There you go. Fantastic. Thanks very much for taking the time and good luck with the project. Thanks, Ken. Hi, I'm at the Open NMS. That's Mike. No, that's not. It's Open November Mike Sierra booth, and I'm talking to Taurus Spalog. And I hear that you know about HPR. Uh, <laughs> I do. I do know about Hacker Raider, Public Radio. Been around as some boots in the past. So I tell have, us. I have some T-shirts. I would have worn one had I known you guys were going to be here. So I've given you a T-shirt because I've got no T-shirts. <laughs> T-shirt? You don't know the right people. So we trade swag. So maybe that. Ah, uh, that's it. Good. Enterprises is is alive and well. So what is Open M- NMS? You're, it's funny. It's sometimes hard to say. Open NMS is a network management application platform that was is 100% open source. By open source license, we mean? Um, we're AGPL for the most part. Um, we do have some Apache code. So like if we write libraries, etc., we tend to publish those under permissive licenses. But since we're a small organization, we're always worried. We In, in our past, we did have someone take our code and make a product out of it and sell it in violation of the license. And if it was a permissively licensed product, they would have had free right to do that. And we spent 15 years building this product, so we don't really like it. You know, we, we offer it for free, but we don't want someone commercializing it for free. So, And what OpenNMS is targeting is scalability. We would like to be the platform for the Internet of Things. If you think about it, it's like one of our customers is monitoring uh, over 100,000 devices, and they're in a hospitality business. So they monitor, they provide internet to about 2,000 uh, 2, uh, hotels in Europe. And you think about it, with 100,000 devices now, what's going to happen in the future? Let's say I have a room. I might have 10 devices. I might have a door lock. I might have a refrigerator. I might have a set-top box, a thermostat, a water heater. Say, Let's say I have 10 devices, and I want 10 metrics from each one of those. So 100 metrics per room, 200 rooms per hotel. And now I'm at 20,000 metrics. Multiply that times 2,000, and you're looking like 40 million metrics. And so we need a platform that can scale to that ability. And a lot of open source projects started when a guy had an itch to scratch. And so he writes a Perl script, and someone goes, oh, that's really cool, and can you do this? And they change it to monitor, say, 10 devices. And then it breaks, and so they rewrite it in a different language, and, they, and it grows. We started out from day one aiming to be hundreds of thousands, if not unlimited devices. And so um, one of the things we're proud to... Um, well, we're going to be proud to introdu- uh, introduce is in the next release of OpenNMS Horizon, version 19, 
which was supposed to be released before today. It'll be next week or the week after, promise. Um, it includes support for this new um, functionality we call Minion. And it's the ability of putting a lightweight agent out on remote locations and then feeding all that information to um, a centralized OpenMS server. We have a, a large pizza chain who shall remain nameless in the United States who uses our, our code. They sell over a billion dollars worth of pizza a year online. And all of that is, is headquartered in um, Louisville, Kentucky. But they need, so the orders go there, but they need to talk to their 4,000 stores. So there's a little piece of OpenMS code in every one of those stores. Now we've beefed that up into the minion, and the idea is to be able to go out and um, if you had multiple uh, 10 networks, say, you can aggregate them together all in one location because we've added location information and things like that. Plus, at the local level, you can determine what's important and what's not and only forward the important things up to the centralized OpenMS instance. So what exactly, uh, what exactly do I get? What? Okay, so the term NMS, Network Management System, I'm old. And so uh, in the olden days, that was what you used to monitor your network. And there was a very formal definition. And then as the industry grew, it was like, well, network management means routers and switches. And application management means uh, you got server management. In this case, network management means network as my father, who's 77, defines it, which is anything on the other side of a keyboard. He'll call me up and says, the internet's down. And I'll go, well, how do you know? And he says, well, I can't get to my mail. I said, well, can you do a Google search? And he's like, well, yeah. I'm so, the network's not down. Restart your client. <laughs> because for one, some reason or another, once a month, his client hangs. And so we monitor the entire stack, all 10 levels. So you've got one through seven, including uh, economics, politics, and religion. So we do the top three as well. Um, but the idea is, uh, um, you know, so you get event management is the core. So we get traps. You can send events into OpenNMS, um, syslog, uh, uh, TL1, pretty much anything that's an event source, you can send it into OpenNMS. We'll, we'll, um, we can do automations on it. We can do uh, correlation. One of the things we do is event reduction, which means if you get a lot of duplicate events that you define as, hey, like a lot of devices, if they're overheating, they'll spam you with messages. Like every 15 seconds, they'll go, I'm overheating, I'm overheating. Well, instead of having you know 600 of those in a browser, you have one alarm that says this has happened 600 times. The next thing we do is performance data collection. So your people listening can't see this, but we I'll have include a, a photo in the show notes. So we have a, a, a graf, an integration with Grafana, where we can take all this data that we collect and put it out on a uh, on a, a platform on a screen that you can see, and we used to base it on RD tool like a lot of uh, products do, but we recently ended up doing um, an integration called Newts. So we wrote a time series database on top of Apache Cassandra. And I've seen tests where we are easily able to get 60,000 60, uh, updates a second. So we're monitoring, you know, 2 million, 3 million data points. And the technology is such, if you need more, you just build the cluster out bigger. Uh, so we can store unlimited data there. The third thing we do is service monitoring. So we go out and, you know, can we ping a device? Can we connect to a port and make sure something's listening? All the way up to, we have an integration with Selenium. So if you're using Selenium to test your web app, you can plug the Selenium XML file that gets created directly into OpenMS, and it will periodically run that for you. And the fourth piece, which everyone forgets, is provisioning. 
the provisioning part of OpenNMS is if you're monitoring a million devices, you're not going to do that with auto discovery. You're not going to say, okay, go ping this IPv6 range and, um, and, 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 and find these devices. So we have a strong REST API for getting information from an external inventory system so that they can easily update, change, do ads, moves, and uh, deletes um, from their central systems. And a lot, of, a lot of companies do not focus on that when they're talking about provisioning. So what's, uh, you mentioned some of the new stuff that's coming out. Um, any, anything else that we should be aware of? Um, one of the things that we're, exper we're uh, experimenting with is, you know, so our, our business model is very strange. There's a dot-com behind OpenNMS, but we have no outside investment. Our business model is called spend less money than you earn. It's crazy, I know. I mean, uh, you're not, we're, 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 we're huge failures in Silicon Valley because we make money. But um, we've been around for 15 years uh, because of our philosophy. Um, and so we're always interested, how can we stay true to being a 100% open source company, yet feed people? Because um, I have employees who rely on us to pay their mortgages. So we're thinking about opening, offering OpenNMS as a service. So this minion technology that I was telling you about, um, you could buy a minion, stick it on your network, and then go to a cloud-hosted instance of OpenNMS. We already have a proof of concept built on Kubernetes. So what happens is you, you, we have a little broker. When you log in, it spins up your own little instance of OpenNMS, and you go and you talk from your minion, which is on your network, over, of course, a secure connection into this cloud-hosted OpenNMS, and we manage the backups, the upgrades, the configuration, and everything like that. Um, now, the problem is... We need to improve how users interact. Because right now, as a company, our big customers pay us to make OpenMS more powerful, not easier to use. And so that's why they insist on this heavy REST API, because sometimes they don't even look at the GUI. They just make queries. Um, and they're like, okay, what are my alarms? Here's a query. Oh, I want to update the server. Here's a push, you know, a, a, put. Um, a post, excuse me. And uh, I've been in four countries in the last five days, and I, I'm forgetting what language to speak. Um, and um, so we're thinking that, hey, you can go to Op Oz, OpenNMS as a service, and you can run it. And if you choose, you press a button, we export all of your data to an XML file, and then you load it up on your own server. So you don't get the, the lock-in that a proprietary solution. I mean, to me, this, it, network monitoring is only going to become more and more important. Uh, as, as more and more devices get stuck on the internet, you're going to have your refrigerator and things like that. And you don't want to be locked into a proprietary solution because they can always just twist it to you. What if they decide to charge you, you know, a dollar a month per data point and you've got 40 million data points? Well, that's a lot of money. So as a business, I could just take your code and run it on my thing and never contact you. Right. It's, we, you know, I'm at FOSDEM. I'm not really expecting to gain too many customers at FOSDEM. I want to gain users. I mean, some people apologize that they don't give us any money. And I'm like, no, we, this is our philosophy. We want to do this. But for larger customers, we do provide support and other services. And they're happy with those as well. And so, um, if it, but yes, you are free. We, we do publish under the Affero GPL. So there are some limitations if you want to integrate OpenNMS into a system. But for use... Yeah, you know, we don't. It's full, fully free for for everybody, and uh, and, and we really strong in that. Um, as you're from the U.S., I assume, and uh, you're not Ireland. Okay, I apologize, but 
with what Donald Trump decides to do tomorrow. Yeah, well, your accent isn't very strong, so I've been to Ireland a couple of times. Um, so Dublin and Doolin, so I've been on both sides. Um, the, uh, in the United States, you'll go to a conference, and open source doesn't mean what it means here. You know, and they'll say, well, we're not free software, we're open source. You can see the source code. And I have to scream at them. I'm like, look, when, let's, we've, like with Mr. Trump, we have to decide on what words mean. And to me, if you say open source, it means you meet the open source definition as published by the OSI. They don't see it that way. And we call that open core. Actually, what I call it is FOPEN source. We actually have a FAUXPENsource.org website with the FOPEN source definition. And, um, and we're, not, we're not for that. I mean, we have found that you can make money, you can survive, you can grow without having to charge people for software. However, I've found this, from a personal point of view, the advocacy of free and open source software is actually easier if there's a bill and there's a maintenance contract. They don't actually care. It's actually easier if you come in with a company and go, well, you know, this is a better solution and they're more expensive. Also, free and software. Well, yeah. it's, it's, it's not a factor. It's actually easier to get it because you look like a professional organization. This is a professional business. And we do. We publish all of our prices online and we productize our, our, our offerings. And so you can call up and order various things. But I found in, in this business, I mean, I didn't start out as a free tart. You know, now I run open source. I run Linux on my desktop. I run Linux on my router. I run Copperhead OS on my phone, which only has F-Droid. It all starts with Firefox, and then it just you have just grows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just I am a you know uh, a, a big advocate. But when I talk to people, I say, look, it makes business sense. If you're a business, your special sauce, your magic is in how the processes you've created to deal with your customers. When you go out and choose these enterprise tools, you quite often have to fit your processes. My wife works in a hospital, and they just ended up uh, introducing this huge system called Epic. And they had to redo every single thing they did to fit the system. And I'm like, if you're in a business that's competitive, you, you, what makes you special is your processes. So if you go with open source, you can fit the solution to your business. We have large customers who come to us and say, hey, you know, can we do this? And we write features for them just to fit OpenNMS into their environment. And then as part of the process, we open source that. So a lot of OpenNMS growth has been um, funded by companies who have a certain feature they want. And surprise, everybody else wants that feature too. But do they not have a problem with the fact that that becomes, we paid for that and that becomes... So I get that all the time. And the way I sell it is the same story I just told you. I'm like, look, if you're basing your competitive advantage on what tools you use, you're defeated anyway. And, and so let's say a feature costs $50,000. And I say, if it isn't worth $50,000 to your bottom line, you shouldn't do it. You know, forget who else shares. And, forget. and plus, we're going to make that feature exactly as you want it which may not be the rest the way the rest of the world works. So we'll make it the way you want it, and if we need to change it for the rest of the world, we'll add some options. So you get to determine, you personally get to determine the direction of the feature. It fits you, you get it first, you know, and most people are okay with that. Once you explain to them, I'm like, look, if, if, if it's not worth what it, what it costs, period, then you shouldn't do it. It seems incredibly logical to me, but then again, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, it does, and and it's 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 surprising in the fact that um, 
everyone thinks that, that, that open source and free software, is, is, and, and it has this huge range, that we've got this rainbow of people involved in it. We've got the kind of anarchist, freedom-loving people, and then we've got just business people. And it makes sense. If you've ever had to pay a maintenance contract year over year over year or a subscription fee year over year over year that you weren't getting value out of, but you had already locked yourself into it, you understand. And with open source, I mean, the thing I love about running an open source desktop is that I'll need an app. Usually I have three choices. You know, and if one doesn't, if, if I'm using Shotwell and I don't like it, I can use uh, another tool. I don't have to get locked into one thing. And um, I can't go back. It's like I used to be an Apple fanboy. I was like the biggest Apple fanboy on the planet. Don't go to Apple fan. But um, I, I, I used to be this Apple fanboy, and now when I go back, I get frustrated. Like recently they updated the mail app and you cannot get GPG to integrate anymore. And the, the, the wonderful people with GPG tools are struggling to reverse engineer the changes. Whereas Thunderbird, here's the API. We have an API for that. And that to me is, is, makes it, you know, I can sit here and tell you why I like it, but I like open source because it's just better. And when it comes to OpenNMS, our customers find it's just better. I'm going to end at that because you can just, that's a perfect ending. I'm at the Colab booth and I'm talking to Christian Molikov. Hi. Hi. What is Colab? So Colab is an open source collaboration and communication solution. Um, we offer what does that mean? <laughs> so <laughs> it's um, email, calendaring, task management, note taking, file management, soon as well um, collaborative editing. Uh, we're adding instant messaging as well. Um, so, yeah, that scope. And is it run on the web or is it run as a client? So, Colab is the, the server product. It includes a web client, which is uh, based on Roundcube with a couple of extensions. Um, we offer um, various protocols, so you can use the native mobile applications, for instance, to sync over ActiveSync and WebDev, IMAP. So, we set a big focus on open standards and open protocols as well as um, providing secure access and giving you back the control of your own data. So you can host Colab yourself on your own infrastructure. We provide professional support for that. Um, we also have a um, hosted offer, which is called Colab Now. There we host your data in Switzerland. So through the jurisdiction, we can um, ensure that nobody gets... Um, access without an actual warrant. Excellent. We did an interview with you last year, so uh, we can refer back to that if people want more information. So, what has happened in the last year and what's the plans for next year? So, one of the, the big projects that I worked on is um, Cube, a new desktop client that we're working on. Um, Ooh, it looks very slick. Thank you very much. That's what we're trying to achieve. Um, it, it's right now, still it's in its infancy, it's, um, it's built on top of a high-performance core. Um, we are using QML for, for the UI, so that will allow us to rapidly move the UI forward and also um, build different UIs for different form factors, so we're targeting mobile as well there. So I think in, in the future we will have a lot more opportunities to, to build new features quicker and better and also to 
integrate different um, traditional groupware types more. So, so the calendar and email and task management integrate better um, to help the users um, solve their actual problems rather than just write an email or create a task. So, um, what's the plans for the coming year? Do you have? So for the, the coming year, uh, one of the big things is certainly the collaborative editing that, um, together with that we built together with Collabora. So we integrated their um, solution. So you can now um, open uh, LibreOffice, so ODP documents, ODF, I'm sorry, um, and collaboratively work on those documents. That's fully integrated into the Collab file storage. So you can share your documents from there and start collaborate um, collaborative sessions. Okay, very good. Anything else that I missed should have mentioned? Um, well, instant messaging is will be coming up at some point. That's something we'll work on during the next year. Going to be basing that on XMPP, I presume. Um, probably not internally. Uh, we'll certainly provide an XMPP bridge for um, external clients. Okay, very good. Was there anything I missed or? I think that's what's the name of the website again um, the website for of our enterprise offer is collapsystems.com or of the open source product is collab.org thank you very much and enjoy the rest of the show uh, I'm Václav Zbranek uh, I'm a community manager of uh, Tourist Omnia or tourist project yeah. uh, and we are doing uh, awesome hardware thing open hardware and open source software uh, we started on uh, Indiegogo or three years ago we started as a non-profit uh, research project uh, in our company uh, CZNIC uh, the main uh, domain registry and uh, after three years of collecting uh, uh, data and researching and uh, uh, this um, non-profit, uh, we start. Uh, we realize that we want to uh, be global, and because the first part, the research part, was uh, in Czech Republic only. Uh, so we went uh, to Indiegogo. Uh, we made a success there. Um, we raised uh, 1.2 million dollars. Uh, so we can. What? What? You raise how much? Uh, 1.2 million. My friend. <laughs> so that's a good start yes. and uh, a big promise uh, to our users, to our backers. Uh, but that gave us. Uh, uh, and what exactly were you raising? Um, what were you raising money for? I mean, yeah, uh, that's an open source router, or it's more than just a router. Uh, it's uh, the open source center for your home. Uh, you can run. Uh, nearly anything on it. Uh, the limits are very powerful hardware. It's ARM-based. Uh, it, uh, the software is based on uh, OpenWRT. Uh, um, and to top of that, uh, we, ha we are doing a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of improvements. Uh, you can uh, very comfortably you can run LXC on that. So uh, you can uh, uh, provide. Uh, function, functions uh, such as uh, home NAS uh, that's not uh, need uh, Alexi is not needed for that but um, so it's can you pick it up there and let's have a look at it yeah 
it's a it's about the length of your hand, the width of. Or I will because uh, this is a campaign only. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, blue one is. There's the blue one over there. There is a, another one, black one, but it doesn't matter. Okay. It's only a color. Yeah. Uh, we can't see it anyway. It's, it's radio. We can also take a look on a board. Hold on a second. I'll, I'm taking uh, photos as we speak of the board for some reason. They're very big and far away. I think I did something with my... So, uh, what we, can you tell me a little bit about the board, what, you, what you're seeing yep. there? Uh, the main difference uh, between uh, our uh, rotor, our board, and uh, the casual or uh, common solid rotors um, is that we are we have really uh, powerful uh, ARM processor. Yeah. Uh, it's from Marvel, and uh, about the uh, possibility to uh, to customize your uh, your rotor. We have GPIO pins here, so you can connect a lot of uh, smart electronics. Uh, we have three uh, mini PCI Express uh, slots, so you can connect uh, SATA. Uh, uh, SATA interface uh, you can connect uh, LTE modem as a backup or as a main connection uh, or uh, you can simply connect a few Wi-Fi cards to uh, have really uh, strong and fast uh, uh, Wi-Fi uh, also this one is a combi uh, combination of uh, MSATA and uh, PCI Express so uh, MSATA uh, is it's possible to have it uh, as uh, as a NAS only with uh, MSATA, or you can connect your uh, classic drives. Yeah. Uh, here is a power connector yeah. for anything you need, two uh, fast USB 3 connectors, and this is a SFP cage, so you can connect optic, uh, optical uh, straight to your router. You don't need uh, any, uh, any converter, media converter. We have uh, 5 gigabit ports, uh, why are, they, why are they split into two different regions? Uh, is it just to fit on it's, board? It's just uh, to fit, in, fit on board. Uh, the first one here, it's uh, one port. The second one is uh, one of the LAN ports. You can switch it, but um, in the processor, there are uh, three... Um, uh, Ethernet, uh, Ethernet inter interfaces. So yeah. one is dedicated to one, and uh, uh, the second and the third is dedic uh, are dedicated to the rest of uh, to the LAN ports. So it's really fast. Uh, you won't have any uh, problem to route uh, with one gigabit throughput. Oh, very so cool! So it's very, very fast cool. router. Um, very uh, interesting thing, uh, thing for a lot of people. Uh, for a lot of our users, because uh, people want to play uh, with the device, are uh, those 12 RGB LEDs yep. fully customi uh, customizable. So you can, um, if you uh, came to our booth uh, a few minutes I'm later, taking a photo now. it will blink like an eye rider. Oh, uh, <laughs> you can, you can, <laughs> you can pro uh, program any function for Christmas. Uh, we made a, a little gift uh, for our users. Uh, it's a uh, library based on Python. You can uh, input your MIDI 
and it will blink your MIDI. Oh, excellent. So it's just a play. But and you have three uh, Wi-Fi radios outside? Uh, we have uh, three, uh, three antennas outside, but inside uh, it, there are two cards. One is uh, two-on-two MIMO. Uh, and the second one, the 5 gigahertz standard, is a uh, 3 on 3 uh, MIMO. Okay. So uh, it's up to uh, one, uh, 1030 megabits. So uh, it's really fast Wi Fi. It's not MU, uh, MIO, MO, but it's, uh, it's really fast. And uh, if you want to change the configuration of a Wi Fi, you can because we, uh, you can open your router and you can customize it as you wish. So the whole lot from ground up is is open. Uh, yeah. From so, ground up. so I could go and get the harder designs of that even. Uh, yeah, you can get hardware designs. Uh, there are. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, the whole uh, design are uh, out yet, but it they will be. Yeah, yeah, they are. They okay. are on our website, so you can download. Oh, sorry. Everything is on our website. You can download the schematics. And there were actually some of the users that uh, even uh, tried to figure out what's going on where and what they could connect. And uh, we have a forum where, where people are discussing stuff and somebody asked some question in the middle of the night and somebody from US read the schematics and answered him. Very good. So the yeah, community, community is working. Yes. And uh, you were the, you're the uh, Czech uh, internet register. So yeah, you a non-profit then organization uh, or what? We are not government uh, organization. We are, uh, but we are uh, so-called non-profit because uh, a lot of companies are uh, uh, connected in our company. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a lot of internet providers and internet uh, big internet companies from Czech Republic are connected in our company. And we are doing not only uh, this awesome router, uh, but we are doing uh, a lot of our uh, other, um, uh, a lot of other uh, things, uh, a lot of other projects. You can know BERT, uh, B-I-R-D, uh, it's a BERT internet routing demon. Uh, it's uh, uh, very uh, commonly used. Uh, you can know Knot Resolver, DNS Resolver. Uh, everything what we are doing in our company is uh, open source. So that's what we believe in. Yeah, it kind of looks like it right and here. We are doing a lot of uh, our uh, other um, projects uh, because uh, we want to make uh, internet better and more secure. So uh, part of our uh, company is called LAPS. And uh, we uh, came from the labs, the tourist project. But uh, there are other projects uh, that wants to uh, that want uh, want to make uh, internet not only check internet as you see uh, smarter or uh, more useful for people. Uh, so that's so it. This is um, how much is this retailing for? Where can I can I buy these right now? Uh, you can buy these. Uh, you can buy it on uh, Amazon or uh, in Alza. Yeah. It's uh, th those are two shops uh, for whole Europe. We have uh, a lot of shops in Czech Republic, and uh, we are expanding uh, to uh, to rest of the world. Yeah. Um, 
but we already have uh, a lot of users all over the world because of Indiegogo campaign. So we have uh, users uh, in Asia, uh, we have users uh, in America, in uh, many of them. How much does it cost? I'm not sure about the uh, rights, but it's under 300. Uh, it's um, it depends on uh, on the exchange rate. Yeah, but if you want to buy this uh, awesome rotor, you can um, get a um, you can go here on our stand, and we will we can give you uh, a discount card only for attendees here uh, here on FOSDEM. So uh, if you have uh, if you really want to have this uh, this router, uh, you can go here, uh, ask some questions, and uh, you will have a 15% discount. Very nice, very nice. Is that open to some of our listeners as well? Can we get a get a few of those? Yeah. Okay. Cool. If they if they can run here. <laughs> well, seeing as this isn't going to be posted two days after. Uh, Fast so, time's over. So, invent a type machine and... Uh, Come back, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very good. Okay. Maybe next year. <laughs> maybe next year, guys. Okay, thank you very much for taking the time and uh, good luck with this. Is this intended, though, um, as um, telephone operators to, to distribute or is it... Yeah, so some, uh, some ISPs in, uh, in Europe, uh, in Sweden, Switzerland... Uh, wants to use our device uh, because it's uh, highly customizable. So... Uh, yeah, we are uh, in conversations with them, uh, and uh, maybe uh, uh, there there will be a success, event and uh, a lot of users maybe uh, may will have this rotor at home straight from their uh, ISPs. It looks very nice, very neat, and very compact. Good luck with it. Well done. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.